another episode of the anarchist experience episode 386 aka year eight week 14 uh coming at you this week as always i am your host mr richie rich along with mc and ks and since this is your regularly scheduled clubhouse broadcast club thingamajig uh we do this show around 4 p.m eastern time saturday afternoons so that's about what time it is now um, you can join us there. The club is the Anarchist Experience, so join the club. Or at me, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H, to get the little notifications when I start the live broadcast um, on the clubhouse. That being said, what is going on with you guys this week? Uh, there is a meme-worthy uh, attempt by Biden, I guess, to forgive people for some random sin. yeah forgive the sin yeah okay i assume we're talking about the the student loan forgiveness yeah that's it okay so he did it and it's done or it will be done it 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 may maybe i don't know like okay sometimes i just i just wait for things to happen before i say you know it's going to happen like he, he declared it so but uh yeah you know, I mean, you know, where show me the green, you know. <laughs> okay, so he declared that it's going to happen, but $10,000 for people making under 125000 and so on and so forth. I don't remember all the details. Do you, do you by chance happen to know the more specific details, KS, MC? Well, I think it's $10,000, um, well, on student debt, but $20,000 for anyone who got a Pell Grant, which means a low-income person who qualified for extra benefits. I, okay. I really I'm pretty sure I had one of those when details. I was in college. Ah, then you're, then you're qualified then. Yeah. Uh, no, because like, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, my loans were forgiven uh, because my mom got tired of taking phone calls and paid them off for me. Oh. And, <laughs> and I let her because I thought it was a dumb thing to do. Mm. You know? Well, good for you. I mean, you know, but... Um, if she had just waited around a little bit more, uh, then, then, well, I don't know how much it was, but maybe it would have been covered. I probably would have been, I would, idea, it would have been a significant coverage. This forgiveness MC, would have been significant. MC points out that, uh, wisely that, uh, forgiveness is for a sin, right? So was it okay. a sin that, um, that people took out loans or the people gave loans, um, but obviously, it's not paid off. It's not forgiven. It's just shifted to somebody else. That's, that's what I want. I, I hear that, and I believe that you are going to technically be correct. And yet, I don't entirely believe that to be true. How does ex- explain to me how it gets shifted to somebody else? Well, presumably, the loan... Was as I understand it, the Pell Grants, for example, um, uh, and under the whole student loan law, um, the reason that banks were so eager to make these loans is that they're not really making it with any risk uh, at all. Right. They're given a government guarantee that the taxpayers will pay it if that student doesn't. Okay. And so presumably, if the student doesn't, uh, the bank isn't going to take the hit and say, well, even if the bank did take the hit, um, that means the stockholders of the bank or the uh, depositors of the bank wind up with a, a loss. But I'm guessing they don't take the hit. They, they'll say, okay, um, the government forgave this. So that means the government is guaranteeing it and paying it off. Okay. And where would that have to come from? It would have to presumably come from uh, taxpayers, increased taxpayer burden. Does it, though? That's the part that I'm like, I'm, I'm with you up until that. 
And I'm with you up until that because we know, right, that the taxpayer burden doesn't come anywhere near close to government expenditure, right? So the U.S. has run up this 20, 30, some odd trillion dollar debt, right, that there's no, we've covered this before, there's no way in hell that gets paid off ever, right? So you tack on, you tack on, you know, student loan forgiveness to the back end of that, right? And who gives a shit? Well, you you could say, yes, they won't, the, the taxpayer won't pay it directly. In other words, at the same time, they'll probably say to the taxpayer, well, we're going to reduce your taxes. Or more likely, they'll say, well, the wealthy will pay um, the tax. But most likely, they'll print the money. Although right now, they seem to be on the opposite side of that. They're not increasing the uh, quantitative easing. Um, but they yeah. very e- easily could. And they, they have be- tremendously in the last couple of years. So what that means is that a hidden tax, uh, and that falls especially on low-income people because of the inflation, the, the impact of inflation. Okay, so a, a hidden tax, again, I get you. But uh, I, I'll, I'll make the case. They have printed so much money. Over the you know over the last several months, um, and I I want to believe that they've realized that that was a mistake, right? That's why the Fed raises interest rates and you know so on and so forth. That they can't just print more to cover the student loan like that. That would be such a bad look and a bad move when we're already likely in a recession, potentially in a depression, right? And when inflation through the roof. Right, and they go like, loans forgiven, we're printing more of it, right? Like it, that seems also strategically unlikely to me for them to pull that off. Uh, I think uh, they don't put the, the, the items together at all. They're, they're in an election year. Biden is desperate to have the young person's vote. Right. And, um, and uh, he's just made a promise that's, Probably not. They they probably haven't even figured out how they're going to do it until yeah. after the election anyway. And, right. and also the bank and the government are separate. So the, the, the Fed might be afraid of inflation, but Biden sure isn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how is, how, okay, how is Biden going to inflate the currency without directing the Federal Reserve to, to increment more dollars? I assume the government gets to borrow whatever they want or else the government gets rid of the Federal Reserve. Okay. What, is, would that not be a good thing then? <laughs> Can we push well, for that? They 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 will issue it eats bonds, its own gov- tail. U.S. government bonds, and people all around the world are buying them because every other country is doing the same thing. The U.S. government bonds seem safer than their own government bonds, so the U.S. government seems to have a, a, okay. a blank check and how much how much debt they issue, and then uh, the the Federal Reserve then purchases a lot of that debt, but but. Uh, if they're not in a purchasing mood, they'll sell it uh, somewhere else. Okay. For, forgive my ignorance again, because this is something that I've, I've talked to you about, KS, uh, either the last time or several episodes ago when you're on the show, because I, was, I needed some clarification on this, so I'm, I'm glad to have you. If foreigners, foreigners are buying the debt, right, presumably, you know, it's fungible or whatever, uh, of, the, of these student loan forgiveness, right, Mm. they're doing that, I would presume, voluntarily. There's no coercion involved. They go like, yeah, we'll fucking buy it. And they get passed, like, they get, they're they the ones holding the bag at the end of it, and I still don't really care. Isn't yeah, that that's a good, a good thing? point. Right? Yeah, we, ex- yeah, well, uh, we export all the student loan debt to China or whoever the fuck is buying it, right? And they can hold the bag when it all collapses. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, they're They're... Other people are paying it. Somebody is paying it, though, and and they aren't necessarily voluntarily. I mean, if it's governments of other countries that are buying it, then that's not voluntarily. But a lot yeah. of it is just voluntarily um, because they think it's safer and sec- more secure than yeah. their own government's and debt. The worst part of it is it's a wealth redistribution into the leftist liberal circle uh, known as higher education. Okay. that That's an argument I will hear all day. Um, I, I have, uh, I, I've spoken to a person here in New Hampshire, um, and you know, she was definitely a Biden voter 
and she was a single issue Biden voter, right? Because I I give her shit for it, right? Like, what the yeah, fuck yeah. were you thinking? And she goes like, I thought he was going to cancel my student debt, right? Like, that's the only reason. <laughs> okay. And and now the news comes out, right? That he's going to cancel her student debt, right? Student loan, or at least a portion of it. Um, so all of a sudden, it seems like a good move on her part, right? Like, I the the guy made the promise, he followed through on his promise. You know, my student loans or a portion of my student loans are now paid for. You know, cha-ching, I have one less, uh, I have one less financial burden to worry about. It seems like I've heard the most is a complaint that it wasn't enough. Oh, they didn't cancel all of our debt. They just ten thousand dollars. Gee, that's a well, yeah. Because <laughs> for a lot of people, of that's less than ten percent of their student loan. Yeah, yeah. All right, and. And again, so like a portion of it, whatever it's, you know, he, he, he's made good. Um, I guess the other, the other side of that, right. Is we, we understand that inflation hurts the poor, right. And they've just funneled all this money into the economy. Right. Mm. And you know, we, we, I, I think it's a safe assumption that those still carrying that much student debt, right. Are not in the wealthy class of Americans, Right, because you wouldn't be carrying that much if you were able to pay it off in a reasonable, timely manner. And we can get into my personal story if if we really want to, because I don't I don't mind sharing. Well, there there is an argument that Milton Friedman made that um, all of the assistance to higher education is a is a redistribution from low income to higher income people. Uh, and his argument was that the lower income pe- people were more likely to go to work right after high school. And they work longer and pay taxes in to um, a tax distribution system that then pays for the, you know, the higher education of likely more upper income people who are going to earn more and for fewer years in their lifetime. So that's actually redistribution from low income to high income people, the education system. Okay. The education payment system. Sure. But my my point is that with, with all the inflation going on already hurting you know, mm. lower income, lower income families, individuals, whatever, right? The, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but the government steps in, right, to fix a government created problem once again, but it alleviates some financial burden from the overwhelming financial strain that they are already putting on uh, low and middle income families, right? I'm not saying this mm-hmm. is a good idea or a perfect solution mm-hmm. by any stretch. Right, but if they're already making it harder to pay the bills by inflating the currency, and then they're saying, "Guess what? We're 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 lop, you know we're doing a haircut. Ten thousand of that you don't have to worry about anymore." It's hard for me to say. Um, it's hard for me to get mad at lower income families taking advantage of that situation. And why would you get mad at them anyway? <laughs> because they're the ones. They're the ones who voted for him, like in this one specific oh, yeah, case. Well. The voters, right. but uh, I, I'm on the side that believes Biden didn't actually win. So, <laughs> oh, okay. I don't, I don't blame the voters. I believe the scammers. <laughs> we can chase that rabbit hole as far as you want to go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess I, my point is that they're already making things difficult for everybody, and then they're making things slightly less difficult for some people, right? Yeah. At at the at the detriment to a lot of people. Through taxation, possibly maybe sometime down the infinite future uh, as the national debt grows significantly worse or foreigners uh, buy the debt in some form or fashion. Like I just, you know, I, I, see, I see the conservatives and the libertarians all up in a guffaw about this. And on principle, I'm right there with you. Uh, but in all practicality... Um, what difference? Like, like again, what difference does it? No, make? it's a, it's a, it's a small insignificant difference. Um, the the bigger problem is that once a population realizes that uh, they can vote to give themselves as much money as they want, then that's that's when you have hyperinflation, uh, Venezuela style. And uh, because when does it end? You know, well, if we, if we can do that for school loans, why don't we forgive people's mortgages? in their car loans and we'll just forgive everything and, and we can have everything that we want. 
Yeah. Uh, let's for free. Let's, you know, and, well, <laughs> in fact, the federal government, why don't they just forgive their own debt too? Yeah. Just say, well, $20 trillion, $23 trillion. Uh, let's forgive ourselves. I, I liked when Obama wanted to uh, mint a trillion dollar coin to, to yeah, pay, yeah. pay off the debt. That was, <laughs> that was my favorite. And I, and I actually thought he should do it. I think, I think that would have been hilarious, but uh, I'm, I'm on the side that to, to get rid of the federal reserve, um, you, you have to basically inflate your way to uh, a collapse of the system and then move to something uh, more stable. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, the federal reserve system isn't, isn't probably the worst system that's ever been made, but it is a system that is designed to keep them in power, uh, without, uh, them, them self-destructing in a, in a hyperinflationary way. Yeah. So, we, we um, talked about we talked about this um, a little bit maybe I don't know if you were here for the conversation KS um, the the concept of fractional reserve banking right mm. that's it's mm. a well-known like talking point amongst libertarians anarchists what have you um, and until and, and until they like took the limit off of the fractional reserve part of it uh, it went something like this did you know that when you went to the bank and you deposited like a hundred dollars? the bank was able to loan out $900 off of your $100 and that's gone away like it's now infinite you mean $90 out of the no they loan out no oh, if you deposit well, 100 they they keep 10% that's $10 and loan out $90 but it, but then it gets recirculated many times yeah, and and, and so ends up times. being $900 yeah. that's <laughs> right that's right yeah so when when so my I, I, right so Thank you for extrapolating the example. Uh, but they loan out more than they have available on deposit. And where does this money come from? It doesn't come from anywhere. It's just incremented in the system, right, through, through all these dollars and cents, which means everyone who has taken out a loan, right, was given a loan by an institution that didn't have anything to give. Mm-hmm. So if you forgive that, Right, like if if I w- if I needed to borrow ten dollars, right, I could go to UKS and I could get ten dollars from you, right? Like you would physically hand me a, a ten dollar note, right? Mm-hmm. Or I could go to the bank who increment my bank account ten dollars, but they don't actually have ten dollars to loan me, right? Mm-hmm. Now, th- what makes the bank so goddamn special, right? That they can increment that ten dollars? <laughs> the government. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> More to even, even <laughs> bolsters my point. What makes them so goddamn special that they can loan something they don't have, and I cannot? Yeah. Right, and, that, and that's my whole argument: is if a bank should, if a bank can do it, then an individual should be able to be allowed to do it too. Exactly. Um, so and if an individual is allowed to loan myself enough money to fucking pay for college, right? The, and then I the pay only, myself the only back. The only institution that, that can create an organization like this is the government, because it's a, the banking system is a monopoly. And Got so, it. That's what they created as a monopoly. Understood. Not, argue, not, not arguing that point at all. Just, just saying that the, the whole, the art of lending, right, is such a fictitious, magical phenomenon to begin with, right? That if they go like, well, we created it out of thin air, we'll just snap it out of existence in thin air by calling it forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could, but well, they the, don't. Well, they well, just add it to the, add it to the debt. And they hold it over everybody's head and say, okay. "Oh, oh, but by the way, you still have to pay off this thirty trillion. It doesn't matter if you ever no. do, but we're going to keep you know taking your money and putting it towards that anyway because, uh, well, there's people that own that debt, well, and, that, and, and again, and they're buying it and they do get paid. <laughs> they, they take they take the money, but it, like such a small fraction goes toward the debt, and the fact that they increment more of it all the time, right? Means I don't, I don't any, think a small fraction does. I think a large amount." goes to paying off the debt it's just i thought i thought a large fraction goes to paying off the interest on the debt well yeah that's what they're that's what actually is is getting bought and sold is the interest on the debt okay the actual number of 30 trillion doesn't really matter as long as people are getting paid and they assume they're going to keep getting paid right so that number that number could theoretically be zero and as long as everyone's getting paid like that's not important like the 30 trillion dollars of debt well not important the loan forgiveness. It can't, it can't be. It can't be zero because then nobody would be getting paid interest. So okay. it has to be the, like the debt. 
it's a debt-based system. And like Ron Paul said, like the, the object was never to pay off the debt. The, the object was to have constant debt because that's, that's what they're selling. They're selling the debt, the interest payments right. <laughs> that you're going to receive. So again, so again, like why, why are we, why are conservatives, libertarians, whoever, right up in arms, right? That they, they snapped into existence, however many billions of dollars in student loans, right? And now that they're, they're snapping out a fraction of that, like that's the problem. Yeah, I'm with you in a hundred percent on the problem and catastrophe of uh, fractional reserve banking. But I'll just point out that there is a dispute among libertarians about that. For example, um, you know, like uh, Jesus Huerta de Soto, the famous Austrian economist in Spain, argues, and Murray Rothbard argued that it's fraud uh, to do that, where you take somebody's deposit and then you loan it out to somebody else. Um, now, there are others who have argued that, well, it isn't fraud if the depositor is aware of it and made aware of it. And, That's Walter and Block's position. Yeah, yeah. And uh, frankly, I don't go along with that because every depositor is told, hey, this is a deposit uh, payable to the bearer on demand. That's what it says on the check. When you write out the check, payable to the bearer on demand. When you, for demand deposit, now it's, I think it's true of savings deposits. That's a, those are time deposits. And when you put money into a time deposit, um, I think it's, it's clear that the money isn't yours. You've given it over to the bank to make loan investments to other people and you're going to get interest payment back and you can call the money back after a certain time legally. But demand deposits are different. That's supposed to be on demand. You're supposed to be able to get it. And they've so confused the system by, by arguing, well, yeah, but people don't all get their money all at once. So it's okay to to do this. I, I agree that it is a fraud, uh, to, to do it that way. And, um, the government has, well, of course, that's why there have been bank runs. In, in the ancient times, uh, in Barcelona, for example, if a, if a lender loaned out money, um, somebody else's money, and he couldn't give it back to the original depositor, um, he had a year to, uh, he was given a year to, to compensate with interest or else lose his hands, you know, or, or be executed. You know, and and that there was a very severe penalty because it was considered theft. Now, uh, because they are bank runs and have been ever since fractional reserve banking was authorized, um, they simply say, "Well, we're going to set up a, a government agency, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is the guarantor uh, to banks that uh, can't pay off on their loans." But they, as was demonstrated in the last recession, two thousand eight and nine, um, those deposit insurance uh, agencies don't have they they only have a tiny fraction of what uh, can be lost in a bank run yeah and so then they print the money and that well that's that's a, a fraud because it's then diminishing the value of everybody's currency in order to to stabilize this uh stupid banking yeah. system as it so is. you can't really have a bank run if if the money is virtual to begin with so well um, I, I i may have asked you guys this question a long time ago um, have are, are you, you? You probably are familiar with the author Garrett Garrett. Yeah, KS. Okay, I read one of his fictional books, uh, Harangue. Are you familiar with that one at all? He was in the nineteen twenties, nineteen twenties and thirties. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The the Mises Institute has like a, a, a com, compilation of a uh-huh. whole bunch of his books, and I, I I think I own that physically, but I also downloaded this particular book uh, a long time ago. Um, uh-huh. probably, man, probably a decade or so ago. But the one part of the book that stuck out to me, like, I don't even know if it was the main plot to the book or a subplot to the book. But again, you got to remember, this was like the 1920s and 30s, right? And the subplot of the book or the plot of the book was you can't have a bank run if everyone is in debt because what are they going to do? Run to the bank and redeposit all the money they owe? Mm. And so, so keeping, uh, uh, fundamentally having a debt-based currency, right, and keeping the vast majority of the population in debt and poor, right, is a phenomenal, sub- subversive way to prevent any future bank run, because you can't go get your money out 
if you owe everyone money all over the place. It just it's 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 a preventative measure. And again, written in the 30s, and I went, "Holy shit, that's that's fucking brilliant." Um, and that's exactly what they're doing, right? Perpetual debt, debt-based currency, no bank run, because everyone owes money. To who? How did that happen? Well, every debt is uh, has a time of for repayment, so presumably there could be. It's not that all all debt settlement is done simultaneously. Uh, well, in, in a bank run, like if if you're gonna like run to the bank and, you know, demand all the money that they're supposedly holding for you, but you owe money, right? Yeah, but the, the, the bank has Where loaned it out to somebody else that, that isn't due to turn it to, I mean, the, for the loan, there's a, there's a time involved. You know, I get it. A, so you give it, pay it back at the end of the year, but now the, the depositor wants his money now, and the bank's in between. He says, well, yeah, I but told the, you But the depositor here, also but owes money somewhere, somewhere, maybe to the bank. Right. Oh, I, I, yeah. Okay. I see. What you, well, yeah. Rich is making the point that if, if everybody owes uh, slightly more or any, any amount uh, more than they actually have, if everybody is in debt, then you can't have a run on the bank, which for, I think probably half the country is probably true. They owe uh, so much money on their house and their car and they, they probably have uh, more debt than they have. Deposits, uh, sa- sa- deposits, or savings of any kind. Yeah, so. but it's time dependent, and all of money and interest is is dependent on time. Well, what's what's the repayment you know. on the twenty trillion dollars the United States government owes the Federal Reserve? You mean the the time frame for that? I, yeah, well, sure. Each, they, each each bond has its own expiration. Okay. Date. Yeah, some of them, and they're very short term. Usually, usually the government just rolls it over with, you know, they, they uh, uh, pay off the, the, the bond, um, but by selling a new bond. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're not simplifying much. No. It's, the, yeah, the system isn't made to be, like, under, understood by the vast majority of people, <laughs> even, okay. even congressmen, so. <laughs> this, this, is a pretty, this is a pretty intellectually superior group, the three of us right here. <laughs> like, let's make no mistake about it for anyone who happens to be listening to this. Like, we are not dumb people, right? But just think how incredibly clever these guys have been to, to set up a system like this that pays for every, every politician's promise and make it look good to the general public. The general public has accepted it. In fact, the intellectual... Um, a economist class of the of the world and the country all accept this because well it's um, and and what I find it so bizarre is that they they would never have accepted this had they known its origins you know with J P Morgan and John D Rockefeller conspiring to, to to set this thing up but that wasn't known until thirty years had gone by and. And um, people got accustomed to it and got used to the, the the propaganda that it was necessary to a stable system. Okay. So th- they set it up. 30 years later, people figure it out. And 80 years later, we're still stuck with it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's ludicrous. Well, until somebody starts minting trillion-dollar coins. And, yeah. And that's, that's a signal that the end is coming. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, been such a tremendous benefit to the power brokers that they're, they're, they're not going to tolerate any. I mean, they, they know that Ron Pauls are out there and that there are uh, free market types who are criticizing it. Yeah. Um, but they make them sound like kooks. I mean, and look what they did with jo- with uh, Alan Greenspan. He was the foremost critic among the Ayn Rand uh, group of, um, of the, uh, this kind of money system. And uh, and they they essentially co-opted him by making him the head of it. Smart, right? Well yeah. played. Yeah, this great <laughs> power is um, corrupted. <laughs> absolute power corrupts absolutely. And and Ron Paul again, shining example. They you know they they control the narrative, right? So yeah, anyone who opposes like them, a, a it's yeah. marginalized, minimalized, made to be a kook a weirdo on the fringe, right? That's, that's not the mainstream. They don't know yeah, what well, they're talking about. 
if you talk to the average person, especially even in, in college, um, the, the assumption is is that, well, we, we have to have the bank because who, who would print our money if we didn't have the bank? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so my, my point of view is that, well, if a bank should be able to do it, then an individual should be able to do it. Of course, that would kill the, the, the banking system. But the point is, is like a bank has a special ability that you don't have. So they're always like, if you look at the system as a game, they're going to be winning. They will always win. Maybe sometimes by a whole lot, maybe sometimes by, you know, just, I don't know, 25% more than uh, the average person. Uh, Sometimes thousands of percents better. Yeah. Depending on if it's a, you know, a crash or not. Um, But they always win. So even in the 2008, you know, banking crisis, uh, all of those banks that were failing got bought out. All the CEOs got, uh, you know, golden parachute retirements. And presumably, if they want to, they can just do it again. So Right. And so come, having come to that realization years ago, right, I have, I have been unsuccessfully brainstorming this entrepreneurial endeavor uh, to be the bank. Right, like well, then that, that's what that's what Bitcoin kind of is. Eh, so, sort of. You're um, you can be your own bank, but you can't be, your own be bank. the you bank. Can't be, yeah, you cannot be the bank. I want to be the have, bank. How do I well, be the bank? Start your own government and uh, give yourself a monopoly, and there you go. Well, okay, that's that's a way to do it. I mean, but I've you know, it's prohibitively it's uh, it's legally prohibitive here in New Hampshire um, for a variety of reasons we don't need to get into. Do, do you want to join the U.S. banking system? Is that? Not, not necessarily. Mean, no, not necessarily. But I would. I just, do you want, your goal is to be the Federal Reserve Bank or <laughs> what, what I mean, is, if, exactly what do you mean the bank? <laughs> if we're playing big enough, right? Sure. Why not? But in, in my, in my small world, right? I just, I just wanted to start a payday loan outfit here or there. Because t- to me, that's that's as close as the average individual is going to get to be the bank. Yeah. Um, so what a whole bunch of scammers recently did with, is with, with cryptocurrency. So they they promised them a certain uh, APR uh, interest rate on their deposits, and then people kept putting Bitcoin into their their account, you know, giving their Bitcoin away to the scammer. Yep. And eventually, the scammer couldn't make the the, the interest payments anymore. They ha- they didn't have enough funds to pay everybody back what they had on on deposit. Obviously, and, and, and the scam uh, failed. Um, so, in that way, you could do that. Um, well, I don't want to scam people. I just, you know, payday loan is a legitimate service. It's just legally prohibitive in New Hampshire. Um, and yeah. Again, I don't want to get into oh, it. But we can- okay. So, so in New Hampshire, you can't. You, you're not legally allowed to start a payday loan. You are. But the, the, the legal limitations are so onerous that it's financially irresponsible to do so. Okay. Um, like you, you can only lend out a maximum of $500 per month and people who receive that loan have to wait like a month in between loans. Oh, okay. So there's no, there's no way to recoup the money. Like they see the, the New Hampshire government sees it as so predatory, right, mm-hmm. that it's legal but you're going to be the one who loses, you know, okay. if you if you decide to do it. And and there's a whole bunch of other, I've I've looked into this. There's a whole bunch of other shit that gets in the way, but those are the big ones, right? Like you can't lend out a significant amount of money, and you can't have repeat business. So, and there's can you can you start up a, a deposit style, uh, you know, a credit union type thing where you that was take, the other take, thing take deposits and uh, make risky bets with the money and then to pay pay the people interest that was the other thing that i ran by you know a, a handful of acquaintances here right i'm like why is it with with the with the predominance of bitcoin in the community in like the local liberty community right why is it that we are struggling um and this is pr- uh, particularly uh an important aspect of the case of the crypto six which is still ongoing um like they're, you know, the, the last two remaining members who are awaiting trial are basically on the hook for like wire fraud for telling the bank that they were in a business that they weren't really in, 
to to uh, hide uh, cryptocurrency profits through the through the legitimate banking system, right? Like that's the gist of it. The short, you know, the the short and curly sweets of it. And so I'm like, why is it that we, this local liberty community, right, have so much trouble with the existing banking system here, like that we don't just start a credit union? Like, how hard can that fucking be? Like, what are the hoops? Tell me what the um, hoops are, and let's start jumping through. Yeah, so there, there, there might be some. There, there probably there definitely is. are, um, because well, the banking system doesn't like competition. So if they don't like what you're doing, uh, just like everybody in the country, um, there's probably something they're doing doing illegal, and they'll just go after you for you know that whatever it is. Maybe, but there's like there's a handful of like you know community banks like this. this yeah, is and they're the, doing they're doing things that 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 the government and the banking system basically approve of. And yeah. So yeah. The, the the difference is, uh, s- some of them might not have uh, you know FDIC uh, insurance, so people are taking a risk by putting their money in those types of banks. Which, right. You know, if it's in the crypto community, we wouldn't care. You know, that's what I'm saying. Insured or not, uh, I, it would it would it would literally be like the legal front for people who struggle to get banking in the crypto world. Like that, that was my vision of it. Yeah, but also I, I hear you. But I think if you if you made a name for yourself doing that, like I said, they would they would probably come after you for whatever reason, and they would shut you down. Who they, just, they would just. <laughs> The, the banking system. The, anybody who's jealous that you're succeeding. No, we're we're the fucking porcupine credit union. You have to, you know, you have to prove that you moved to New Hampshire as a member of the Free State Project or the Liberty Migration, and then you bam. And if a politician or, or or another competing bank doesn't like it, they'll tie you up in the legal system somehow, some way. Maybe that's all what right, will happen. All right, fine. <laughs> then we open deposits to more people who you know are just here for whatever reason. Like what you know, I got I. I, when I was in Hawaii, I opened up my bank account in New Hampshire. Um, I had my mom help because it was like a joint account. Uh, but I had to like, I had to make a $10 donation to like the library system here. That was hmm. it. It cost me 10 bucks donation to the library system. And I was banked at a credit union, like overnight, right? Transfer the money and boom, you're in. So, so the, 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 the barrier to entry to become a member of the credit union need not be all that difficult right it just needs to be there for the credit yeah. union so i i guess we should you know interview a ceo or whatever bank owner <laughs> or credit credit union boss uh you know what the difficulties are yeah well okay are you in i mean like it's i would totally i would totally jump through hoops and move forward with this you know if if, if, if it was like a legitimate endeavor, right? Right now it was a brainstorming session. Like, why the fuck don't we do this? There should be enough of us here, right? To put together a small credit union bank or whatever. Um, again, not with the, not with the expressed intent on, uh, on laundering crypto funds, so, but so definitely not harshing people we know are using it for crypto donations. There, there are some crypto friendly uh, institutions, uh, we know this because there's, you know, Coinbase exists, and they are allowed to use the the you know banking system, you know, money transfer system to yeah. trans- transmit money, you know, into people's checking checking accounts and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but you so, have you have people like the Crypto Six who bounced from bank to bank to bank because as soon as the bank was aware that they were depositing cryptocurrency profits, right, they got their account shut down. And one of the reasons Ian Freeman is being charged as like a kingpin running a criminal enterprise is because he literally ran out of banks to open sure. accounts at. Sure. And so, so he had friends so open what, banks and do the deposits what, for him. What bank does Coinbase interface with? I don't know. And why are they allowed to exist? And I, and I assume it's basically uh, the banking system is allowing just a few organizations to exist so that they can control them. Okay. So basically, if the government or the banking system ever wanted to shut down Bitcoin, they could say, oh, well, this one bank that was allowed to do cryptocurrency uh, transactions or, you know, 
take uh, cryptocurrency profits and return them to the owners. Uh, we're, th- that's, this one is not allowed anymore. And because you only have, you know, only one existed and then you only have to shut down one. Well, that's it. So okay. I think it's just, uh, so you're saying uh, if we started a credit union and made it easy to interface with Coinbase, we would automatically become a target when the crypto no, cops came by. No Coinbase would, would basically be happy just being allowed to exist. And if the government says, oh, well, you can interface with this bank, uh, you know, then this is the one that you use. And they'd be, they'd be happy with that until they get shut down. Okay. Um, uh, I still so, don't see how that the, impacts, the, like, my fictional credit union interfacing with Coinbase. You, you, can, you can interface with Coinbase as an individual or, or even a business. Um, however, the, the issue is... Uh, getting deposits uh, from from the from the users, you know, if if they sell crypto, it goes into the, their bank account, right? That's what I'm saying. So I want to bank. I want to I want to be that credit union that crypto sellers deposit their money into. That Coinbase already has one. Coinbase already has a bank that that they go through to to access other people's checking accounts, basically. Okay. I want to be that other person's checking account, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, other, other people already have their own checking accounts in all banks across the country. No, because people here, specifically the Crypto 6, are getting locked out of that system. No, why are they getting locked out of the system? Is because they're not going through Coinbase and they're not going through uh, Coinbase's bank. Because they can't, they're, not being, they're not able to get a local checking account. It, that's because they're trying to do... Uh, a bit business. They're, they're, see, they're trying to do their own business. They're trying. They're trying to be Coinbase. They're trying to be their own bank. No, whatever. no, I, not at all. Yeah, because so you saying there's nobody in New Hampshire that has a checking account that that can withdraw profits from Coinbase. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in this particular instance, the no. Yeah, in this particular instance, the reason why is because they're they're they they they're they, doing, they put Bitcoin in a Bitcoin ATM machine. The, the ATM machine got cash put into it in exchange for mm-hmm. Bitcoin. They yeah. walked that big stack of cash to a yeah. bank and said, I would like to deposit this. And bank after bank after bank said no. Yeah, because they're, they're trying to be the intermediary with the money. They're trying to do what Coinbase is doing. They're not the intermediary. They're just, I just want to put this stack of cash in an account. And it's not theirs. It's deposited from other people. But it's no, it's theirs. They sold the Bitcoin. Yeah, so they're so they're a business. They're selling Bitcoin. I don't have making, to be a business. I've sold Bitcoin. No, you don't have to be. But that's that's what the that's I'm trying to give you their their uh, rationale. Okay. And 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 that is, uh, they want control. They want to know all the information about where the money is coming and going. Yeah. And so if they see a big stack of money come in, they're going to ask. Well, where did this come from? Right. And if so, it came from Bitcoin sales, then, okay, well, where's, the, you have to pay tax on that. So I want to be the credit union that doesn't ask that fucking question, right? Like You have to get permission from the government then. That's fine. And that's what, it's then that's what I'm saying. That's what Coinbase has. Coinbase has the permission, and that's why they're able to do the business they do, and they don't, and, and they don't have to even deal with cash. They just you know, directly log yeah. into people's checking accounts and take their I'm money. And again, I'm not trying to be a Bitcoin exchange, right? I'm trying to be a credit union that takes deposits, and I don't care. And if, they, and if I have to jump through the government hoops right, to start a credit union, fine. Just tell me what those hoops are. And then in yeah. the back of my mind... Right, so they're probably going to require you to interrogate your customers about where their money is coming from. And if they don't like where the money's coming from, they'll shut your credit union down. Okay. But if, no, if you don't shut the users down. But knowing that, this is where this is, you know, public information, right? One of the reasons why the Crypto 6 got in trouble is because when the bank asked them where your where is your money come from, they mm-hmm. said the sale of rare coins, which mm-hmm. is technically true. <laughs> and they who knows how that's going to fly in court. Right. But what I'm saying is you can fill out the form all you want. Right. And me as the crypto porcupine friendly credit union. Right. I'm it's not my job to investigate these things. Oh, right? but it is. 
according to the government. If you if you're taking deposits, you, you're supposed to have all this information on people. My bank has never asked me where the money comes from when I go when I go to either deposit or take out cash. There's there's no fucking Pro- probably because you're not depositing it enough. <laughs> you're such a small player. There's just like you know they don't they don't. Yeah, they don't I've never really gone over that ten thousand dollar threshold, right? Sure. Of whatever, uh, maybe yeah. once, but whatever. Yeah, so they're they're basically you're not a threat to them, so they don't care. Okay, but once you start becoming a threat, once you get once you get millions of dollars coming in, uh, they're gonna they're gonna want to know who's making the deposit, where it came from, um, and then I just give them the documents. Look here, fill that. He sells rare coins. Have I ever been to his rare coin shop? No. Do I have to go to his rare coin shop? Like how much how much investigatory like man hours do I need to put in? On the Appar- thousands of customers that I'm going to be having at my fictional credit union, it's, it's not about the thousands of customers. It's the one. It's about the big ones that come in with, you know, stacks of cash, and yeah, they fill that, out the form. So, I go like, here's the form. I go, you know, if you, you know, you, you, do you, do you, do you swear under penalty of perjury that all the information you provided on this form is true yeah, and accurate and, to the best of your knowledge? And so when the government doesn't like the t- kind of deposits that that depositor is putting in, in, your, in your credit union, then, they, then they'll come after them, just like they did with the Crypto 6. So. Okay. And so what, then they're going to come after me and say, I'm not allowed? Well, they, they might come after you and they might not, but it, okay. it's, it's kind of useless at that point because you're, you're trying to be the bank that doesn't interrogate the customers. Yeah. That, that would be the goal. But you, it's not allowed. You can't do that because, you know, there's, there's a, you know, a monopoly system here. All right. So it's it's futile then to be the bank in that case. Like payday loan, uh, forget it. Credit union, forget it. Well, pay well payday loan you can do with, not here. You know, with with their stupid rules, just <laughs> insignificant amounts of money and profit. It's it's it's, it, the, it's such an insignificant amount. There is no profit to be made. Right. The only the only pay, like I thought it was weird. Um. So again, my my regular job, uh, is a storage facility, right? And at one point in time, I was on the verge of auctioning off this chick's unit, right? And she goes like, well, the auction's on Tuesday. I get paid on Friday. She's already well past 30 days, you know, past due, right? Like, you know, this is, this is not a, a quick auction scenario, uh, which means she's had nearly two months of Fridays to make a payment on her account. Uh, and I go like, well, the auction's going to happen, Right. But if you were smart, you'll just go get like a payday loan. You know, if you're going to get paid on Friday, you get 300 bucks on, on Monday and you pay them back on Friday with your paycheck. And she had no idea what I was talking about. And it seemed odd to me that poor people here have no fucking clue what a payday loan place is until mm-hmm. I looked into it. And now it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, there's, if you Google like payday loans in New Hampshire... There's a handful of organizations who will do it, uh, but they're not local, right? Like they, they're payday loans. They offer payday loans in all 50 states. Like they're huge. And this is just, you know, this is a box that they check to say that they can operate in all 50 states. So it's doable technically, but not the same way you would think. Yeah. And it's been that way for so long that the average poor person has no idea what a fucking payday loan is is here for, you know, short-term financial burdens. Like I'm about to lose all my things because no one will loan me money until Friday. We ended up not auctioning off her stuff. She like, you know, ran and up the chain to the boss, uh, and has been, you know, in some stage of delinquency ever since. And that same boss allowed her husband to take out a unit to rent a unit at one of our other facilities against the wishes of that facility manager who knew that they were a pain in the ass Mm. and they're up for auction again. (laughs) Yeah. Like you should have just let us sell it the first time we'd have been done with it and moving on. So Bitcoin, as you said, or cryptocurrency allows people to be their own bank. um, And that kind of circles us back a little bit to my whole uh, student loan situation. I like for for a good few years, like two, three, maybe four years uh, after officially graduating from college. Yeah, maybe four years, ninety nine. Yeah, or whatever. 
two, three years, whatever. Eh, it doesn't matter. Um, I was diligently paying back, you know, my student loan bills and making the payments, you know, regularly on time as, as a good, you know, graduate should. Um, and then I fell on into like a little bit of, you know, financial hardship. Um, and got my, you know, my one and only deferment, uh, which didn't last very long. And it took me way more time to dig myself up out of that hole, uh, initially. But my mom's address and phone number were like still on file because that's where I lived when I signed the documents in the first place. And my mom still has a landline and still answers the phone like a, like a good old lady should. Um, so that, you know, at some point they start bugging her trying to find me and she has no idea where I am because, you know, part of, part of my financial difficulties, uh, was, you know, a little, uh, I don't know, how do I want to put this, uh, family drama and situation that casted me out for a good five years there. And so I like, I didn't pay the loans back. They were, they, you know, they'd bug her about it. She'd tell them she doesn't know, yada, yada. This carried on for a little bit. Um, and at some point, right, like I started to make a little bit more money. Um, but then along came this Bitcoin thing, right? And so seeing the, the, um, the potential rise, right, in Bitcoin prices, um, I decided to forego any further student loan payments and risk my money in the crypto space. Thinking that at some point down the line, if I play, if I play my cards right, uh, I would have well more than enough money to pay off this loan in full in one lump sum, you know, with, with one good boom cycle of Bitcoin cryptocurrency or whatever. And so that was my strategy. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, you know, kept getting the calls, kept getting the bills and out of the kindness of her heart decided to pay them off for me. And I went, why would you do that? Cause you know, I have this other strategy going. She's like, I'll just, it is my favor to you. Um, and to be quite honest at the time I allowed it, uh, mostly because there was still a small element of blame, I guess, that I had towards her for the financial problems that I was in, right? Like, you know, the, the, the family drama skirmish, whatever it was, um, that put me out. Like I, you know, it, I think the last, I think it took from 2007 until maybe 2019, like the, the, the job I had in 2007, I had never been paid that good until I moved here. And then it took me a few years to, to, you know, to get a W2 that had that number on it. Mm-hmm. So it took quite a while for me to like get back on my financial feet from where I was, you know, to get back. And that's not even like inflation adjusted. That's just raw numbers. So I'm still not necessarily as well off financially as I was 15 years ago in 2007, right? right? And I blame her ever so slightly, even though we've reconciled for that. So when she said like, oh no, I'll pay it off. I was like, fine, right? Like, you know, the, the, in, the income alone that you have cost me over the last, you know, 10 years or whatever, uh, when we finally reconciled, um, was more than enough for me to justify like, you know, the, the relatively small number of dollars incremented in my student loan. But right, I, I, I said like this crypto thing, right? Be your own bank, you know, whatever, already having struggles with the bank. Like I'll, I will funnel money towards this instead. Um, and to be fair, at some point during its peak, right? I had, I had well more than enough funds to cover the entire student loan bill plus fines, fees, penalties, and interest that would have gone with that if I had decided to cash out at that time, which who knows, maybe I would have, uh, if she hadn't already paid it off. Um, or maybe I wouldn't have because, Hey, it's going to, it's going to rebound again, right? Like let's, let's Hmm. really wait until this thing takes off. Um, so yeah, that's my personal little anecdote about this, you know, why I didn't pay back my student loans initially. Um, and what my, what my plan was, Right. Like the, the other, you know, the other thing that I'm in trouble for in Hawaii is like, I can't get a driver's license here because they put a block on my driver's license there because uh, <laughs> I don't pay my fines. Right. <laughs> What's so funny? 
Well, the, the states are colluding against you. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and, you know, fuck, fuck the ACLU because they got they were highlighted in like Reason Magazine and some others um, for, you know, for I think it was Virginia or whatever. They won some cases in Virginia that that disallowed those governments um, from penalizing driver's licenses with failure to pay fines, right? Like if you don't pay your fine, they can't tell you you can't drive. Like those two don't go hand in hand. Like you got to find yeah. another way, right? So when I saw that, I went, well, that's the situation I'm in. They're trying to keep my driver's license because I don't pay my fines, right? Let, let's, let's, let Rich be the example in Hawaii with the ACLU and take that one off the books, um, so I actually, you know, I reached out to them and they never got back to me and I just, you know, fuck them. Um, <laughs> but in Hawaii, right, if you don't pay your fines, they just, they just put a stop on your license. And my mom goes like, well, how much do you owe? I was like, I don't know, like $3,000. And, you know, to her credit, she goes like, that's it. And I go, well, I'm not paying them. So that's, you know, whatever. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's that. That's that, you know. <laughs> And, and she offered, she's like, you know, do you want me to pay that for you again? Like, you know, offer me more money. I'm like, no, fuck them. Right. You know, but in, in the back of my mind, I've always, I've always thought like if crypto gets like, you know, if I get to that level of cryptocurrency where I can, I can just, you know, flush $3,000 down the toilet and not even care. Like if it's, if it get, you know, if crypto bounces, rebounds to that heights, eh, maybe, I, maybe. You know, I give the state of Hawaii the three grand just just to you know have one less hassle. You know, <laughs> maybe I don't. I it, it pains me. It it would pain me to do it on principle. Um, and I've been I've been relatively lucky uh, and successful. You know, since then, like I you know since I don't think I've I think they started the license cancellation. I think my license has been suspended since 2012. So I've gone a decade. Um, you know of of stealing road services i guess um and i've only really been caught twice and once the only reason they caught me is because some licensed driver hit me and that might not be true he might not have a license either uh but i got hit remember my moped accident like that Mm -hmm. was it i woke up uh i woke up with a with a ticket for driving without a license on my property when i woke up in the hospital Mm -hmm. like that was that was a big that was a big fuck you from the cops who like came to my rescue. Right. Like, you know, I'm like, man, cops were here fast. Like they were on the scene doing undercover work, like stinging people in the tourist district. So they like, they witnessed the entire accident uh, and then decided to be dicks about it after calling the ambulance for me by writing me a ticket for driving without a license. But I beat that one. So, uh, and then I, then I got another one that I pled out to after almost a year. Uh, <laughs> Because to continue it once more would have precluded my departure to New Hampshire. But I continued that one. I went through like three different court-appointed attorneys, you know, beyond, beyond the, uh, you know, two beyond the, uh, the, what do you call it, public defender's office. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, uh, I want, I, it's, it's a loss, but that one cost me like 107 bucks, right? I dragged it out for nine months. 10 months, maybe, from like November to when we flew out in September. I just, one continuance after another, you know, I'd, hey, attorney, we're going to use this strategy. I've got these documents. I've got the documents right here that say I don't need this silly license. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should, I should be a little more freaked out about it now, I guess. Uh, but I, I am currently sans all government paperwork. Um, my my passport was coming up for renewal, and I hemmed and hawed about whether or not you know to to get it. I decided on getting it when I when I talked to you know uh, uh, um, I I guess I can say this now I talked to Ian Free Talk Lives Ian told him I was like you know sending it off in the mail or whatever he's like did you did you put the affidavit in with it I'm like no you know he thought I was doing some sort of activism with it mm-hmm. you know I was like no I'm just getting the ID. It's like if it's it, but it's also like the only since my driver's license has been suspended, right? The, my the passport that I got in 2012 has been like the only form of government ID that I have carried in a decade. So even when we moved to New Hampshire, I didn't get a state ID, didn't get the driver's license. Uh, oddly, you know, didn't you know whatever they they have like the real ID thing 
it, you can you can choose one. I don't know if they still can, but when we first moved here, New Hampshire let you opt in or out of real ID when you got your uh, official oh, ID. Yeah. yeah. You had something? I said, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, they, oh, they, yeah. They don't have the option here in, in Hawaii. Okay. Well, we as as far as a few years ago, we still had the option here. Whether that remains, I couldn't tell you. Um, but a few weeks ago, like I had, I had to put the only form of ID that I carry in an envelope. Uh, and, and send it, you know, certified or whatever to to the uh, passport office. And I should probably track that because I'd have, you know, it's supposed to have been delivered. I'm, I'm getting close to when I should be receiving my passport book and card back in the mail. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't looked into it. But I've just been, you know, I have been traveling without identification for like about three weeks now. And on the rare occasion... You know, when, when the speedometer hits like a certain amount on the freeway, I go like, I don't have an ID on me, you know, <laughs> and it raises the nerves just a little bit. And I go like, eh, fuck it. That ID wouldn't have worked anyway. And then I don't care. <laughs> hey, look at the time. You got anything else? Oh, uh, no. All right. That'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.